Nehemiah 85 says, when they opened the book, all the people stood up. Brothers and my sisters, we want to talk to us a few minutes this morning from the subject, what celebrating Easter really is. What celebrating Easter really is. The text is found in Matthew 28, 5 and 6, a portion of 1 Corinthians 15, 13, and a portion that we will refer to a little later. It reads thusly. And the angel said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye see Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. Our faith is vain. what Easter really is. And I wish you'd be kind enough to turn to someone, anyone, and ask them, why do you seek, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? Let me tell you again, Jesus Christ is risen, as he said. You may be seated. My brothers and my sisters, today is Easter Sunday. This is the most important day in the world of Christianity. Christians all over the world are gathering at various houses of worship to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Easter is by far the most attended celebration in the Christian world. I venture to say that there are more people, persons attending church today than there will be on any other Sunday during the year. Pastors can expect to preach to large crowds on Easter Sunday. But you know, my friend, one of the great concerns is that many of the things which we do in the celebration of Easter have little or nothing to do with the real meaning, can I get a witness here? Yeah, yeah. Of Easter, do you hear me? Yes, sir. I said many of you have little, many of us have little or nothing to do with the real meaning of Easter. Therefore, we want to take a close look at this celebration, which we call Easter, and really what it is. Down through the years, we have somehow connected rabbits to the celebration of Easter. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Many children believe that the Easter bonnet 
bring you their Easter eggs. It may be well that this belief originated and began in Germany. There's an old legend which said that a poor woman died some Easter eggs during the famine and hid them in the nest as an Easter gift for her children. But just as the children discovered the nest, a big rabbit leaped away. And as a result, the story spread that the rabbit had brought the eggs. So the Easter bonnet plays a big part in the celebration of some people this holiday. We sing a song about him. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hopping, Easter is on the way. Also, the fact that rabbits breed and multiply so rapidly causes us to think of new life. And of course, the resurrection itself is all about new life. But when it comes down to the real meaning of Easter, it has nothing to do with rabbits. You know what happened to the rabbit, don't you? It has everything to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness in this house? Then that is the Easter egg. Just as rabbits symbolize new life, the eggs also symbolize new life. The custom of exchanging eggs goes back to ancient times. The ancient Egyptians and Persians dyed eggs in spring colors and gave them their, to their friends as gifts. The Persians believed that the earth had hatched from a giant egg. And so down through the years, we have Easter egg hunts in which colored eggs are hidden by adults and the children have an enjoyable time searching for them and seeing how many they can find. Every year on the Monday after Easter, there's an egg roll on the White House lawn where children are invited by way of a special lottery to come and compete in this egg rolling contest. That began with Rutherford Hayes in 1878. So down through the years, eggs have been associated with the celebration of Easter. But I'm sure you know, as well as I know, that the real meaning of Easter has nothing to do with colored eggs. Y'all ain't helping me. I'm up here just by myself. Easter has nothing to do with hiding eggs, finding eggs or rolling eggs. As a matter of fact, in recent years, eggs have been given a kind of a negative connotation. Doctors tell us that if we eat too many of them, they will increase our cholesterol level. And instead of that bringing about new life, that makes us think about the end of life. So we must look further than eggs if we want to discover the real meaning of Easter. Additionally, the word goes without saying that most people associate Easter with the purchasing and wearing of new clothes. Come on now, help me, Holy Ghost. Debit cards and credit cards rejoice on Easter as if they were their holiday. This is the time of the year when the clothing stores make a killing off of fashion conscious shopping. And before we can get through paying for what we bought for Christmas, here comes Easter. Of course, Easter ain't no Easter without a new garment. In New York City, a portion of Fifth Avenue is blocked off every Easter Sunday so that persons in the area who have purchased new garments can walk in the Easter parade. 
and show off that beautiful wearing apparel. Irvin Berlin wrote a song about it in which he said, in your Easter bonnet will all the frills upon it. You'll be the fairest lady in the Easter parade. And lest we forget, here at this church, we have down through the years our own Easter parade. Every year on this day, we look forward to seeing our beautiful young people march around with their new clothes. So there's nothing wrong with buying new clothes and dressing up and joining the Easter parade, but the real meaning of Easter had nothing to do with purchasing, wearing new suits, new shoes, new dresses, new bonnets, and parading in front of others. Well, if that is all Easter means to us, we have completely missed the boat. You ask if Easter is not all of this, then of which I've commanded, then what is it? If Easter is not Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail, if Easter is not hiding and finding colored eggs, if Easter is not buying and wearing new clothes, what is it? Well, I'm glad you ask. The real meaning of Easter is found in eight words of Matthew 28 and 6. It says, he is not here. Oh, are y'all with me? Can I get some help up here? I said the real meaning of Easter is he is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. That's the story of Easter in concise and compact form. He meaning Jesus is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Everything which the church has done for the last 2,000 years has been on the strength of those eight words. He is not here. He is risen. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Everything which we're doing here today and everything which this church plans to do in the future is predicated upon the absolute truth of this statement that he is not here. He is risen, as you say. Now, my brothers and my sisters, if you take away all of the byproducts of this holy day and read those eight words, you still have the real meaning of Easter. If you failed to get an Easter bunny, if you went to an Easter hunt egg and you didn't find one single egg, and if you don't have a single piece of clothing which is new on your body today, if you read Matthew 28 and 6, he is not here, you participated in the Easter celebration. Those words were spoken by an angel who had been sent from heaven to do two things. The angel's first assignment was to roll back the stone from the entrance of the tomb where Jesus had been buried. He rolled it away, not to let Jesus out. Jesus didn't need any help. He had all power in his hand. The angel rolled the stone away so that the three women who came looking for the body of Jesus could get in and see for themselves. Ain't nothing like seeing something for yourself, that Jesus was not there. The angel's second assignment was to make an announcement and proclaim to these women the most joyful news that ears have ever heard. When they looked in and saw the empty tomb, the angel told the Easter story in its entirety. He said, he is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come, you can see yourself where the Lord lay. You know, my friend, that empty tomb 
which these three women saw said more about the Easter than the combined writings of all the world's greatest theologians and Bible scholars. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is one thing that sets Christianity apart from all the religions of the world. Check this out. The prophet of Islam, Muhammad is dead and buried on the sacred prophetic chamber of the Green Dome. The prophet Buddha, founder of Buddhism, is dead and his cremated remains are buried in eight places in the Sod of Kush. The founder of Confucianism is dead and buried in the cemetery of Confucius in Gien Yang. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, founder of the Nation of Islam, is buried in Mount Glenwood Cemetery, Memory Garden, South Glenwood, Cook County, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois. But wait a minute. There is no burial. There is no burial place for Jesus. You can't find him in no tomb. He's not here. I wish I had some help in here. But Jesus, did you hear me? Jesus is alive, resurrected, and still in charge, reigning on the throne of glory. He got the first word, and he got the last word. You heard him say, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The empty tomb said it all. The empty tomb said that Jesus told the absolute truth when he said in essence that if you destroy this temple, come on some of you Bible readers, if you destroy this temple in three days, somebody here know what I'm talking about, in three days I will rebuild it. When you get home, read John 2, 19. It said, but they were not listening. They did not take him seriously. Jesus said unto them, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. And also, it verifies what Jesus said to his tormentor. He said, don't you dare lift me up. Don't you dare lift me up. Read that when you get home. John 12, 33 says, and I, somebody here know what I'm talking about. And if I, if I be lifted up, up on that cross, somebody, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The empty tomb says that death has lost its sting. And the grave can no longer claim any victory. You heard 2 Corinthians say, Oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? But thanks, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. There was silence in that empty tomb. There came a resounding testimony that Jesus was indeed alive. Now, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he emphasized the fact that Christ is alive by saying, and if Christ be not risen, then all of our preaching is vain, and our faith is vain. But thank God, Jesus is risen. In short, the entire weight of the Christian faith is based upon the fact that Christ got up. God raised him up. It's based upon those eight words 
that we'll say again, he's not here. He's risen. Just like he said. I wish I had some witnesses in here who know what I'm talking about. If Christ be not risen from the grave, then everything I've done as a preacher of the gospel and everything what you've done as a Christian and as a member of the church is all vain if Christ is not risen from the dead. All our singing, all the great hymns of the church, all the great anthems, the hallelujah chorus, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. All the great Negro spiritual that helped us during the agonies of earth and the joys of heaven. If Christ be not risen from the dead, all is empty and all is vain. But thank God, my friends, we do not have to speculate about this problem. We don't have to hesitate about this problem. We don't have to vacillate about this problem. The whole truth is that Christ did get up early Sunday morning. Did you hear me? I said early Sunday morning. And declared all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. A long time ago, Sister Juanita Gassaway used to sing, easy this morning. Jesus shook me. I'm preaching y'all. Early this morning, Jesus got up. He got up. It's the Bible truth as well as the historical fact. And the apostle Paul said that Christ did actually rise from the dead. But I don't want to keep you too long this morning. Let me try to get out of here. My friend Bill Gaither, the songwriter, says in a beautiful hymn, he said that an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. And as I said earlier, there's a testimony in that empty grave. Can I get a witness here? I said there's a testimony in that empty grave. That empty grave says that Jesus stopped by here a little while. But it didn't stay too long. I hear Martin Luther King said, how long? How long? Not long. How long? Not long. Just 33 years. But early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. He got up. The empty grave says that Jesus was a temporary visitor. Did you hear that? I said the empty tomb said that Jesus was just a temporary visitor, but not a permanent residence. Three days and three nights. That empty grave said that the man who used to be there ain't there no more. He ain't here, y'all. That empty grave said that if you're looking for Jesus, you won't find him here. That empty grave said he's not here. He's risen, as he said. Well, that beautiful hymn about Easter because he lives tells me three things, and I'm going to let you alone. Three blessings which come as a result of Easter. They don't have anything to do with the rabbits. Don't have anything to do with colored eggs. Don't have anything to do with new clothes. Three blessings, y'all. Let me tell you, the first one is because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Help me, Holy Ghost. I said the first year, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, tomorrow ain't no problem for me now. 
Did it ever occur to you that just facing tomorrow is a very real problem for a whole lot of people in this world? It might not be a problem for you, but for a whole lot of people, just facing tomorrow is a major problem. Facing tomorrow can be a real problem for someone who has just lost his or her job working faithfully for a long time, a period of time. Facing tomorrow can be a problem whether there's no money in the house to pay the house note. No car note note and no utility bill. Facing tomorrow can be a real problem for someone who just been told by the doctor that he or she has terminal illness. That is just a matter of time. Facing tomorrow can be a real problem for a jilted lover who's been dumped by his sweetheart and she's fallen in love with a dude he thought was his best friend. Facing tomorrow can be tough, y'all. Facing tomorrow can be a real problem for a teenage girl who has just discovered that she's pregnant and the dude who enjoyed making her pregnant won't return a phone call. That's tough facing tomorrow. Facing tomorrow can be a kingside problem when your back is against a wall. When you're down and out and you don't know which way to turn. But Bill said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face, I said, y'all, tomorrow. Oh, I don't know about what tomorrow holds for you, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. Is there anybody here who knows that he'll never let go of your hand? Is anybody here who knows that the Lord can be depended on? Eugene, Eugene Hegwood sings in this song. Y'all remember Bill Thorp used to sing it a long time ago. You can depend on God. Anybody here know you can depend on him? I don't know how he's going to work it out. I just know that while we're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. And everything is going to be all right. I just know if I turn the problem over to him in his own time, in his own way, he'll make everything all right. You heard Isaiah preaching. You heard him say, they? You heard Isaiah preaching. He said, they that wait. Oh, I wish I had some help. They that wait upon the Lord shall. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. Shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings and eagles. They shall run, not be weary. Walking, not faint. That's the first thing. So then because Jesus lives, the second thing he said, all fear is gone. Can I get a witness here? Allow me to say, like we used to say it back down in Texas, because he lives, I ain't scared no more. Charles Steele, the head of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference said, a scary Negro will get you killed. When I say that fear is gone, I ain't crazy, y'all. When I say all fear is gone, I don't mean to imply that I don't, that I don't come on, on the inside during a thunderstorm, that I don't run when I see a snake. The world is full of human snakes. I said the world is full of human snakes, and I'm scared of them. 
Some of these modern day folks scare you to death. These fears are normal for any human being. When I speak of fear, I'm talking about that crippling disease of fright which keeps a person from reaching out and get, getting all that God would have in store for them. When I speak of fear, I'm talking about undue anxiety, stress, timidity. I'm talking about unwarranted caution which permits me from walking out on God's word and accomplishing the thing which God has assigned me to do. When I speak of fear, I mean that perpetual doubt which creeps in every time I get ready to act upon some vision which God has given me. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. It's the kind of fear which keeps you in a straitjacket and refuses to let loose and let go. The kind of fear which makes you the victim rather than the victor. It's the kind of fear which makes you react to bad situations rather than create good situations. It's the kind of fear which brings jealousy, envy, and suspicion. The kind of fear which makes you bitter rather than better. Well, my faith is in a risen Christ who's taken away all those fears. And every time Easter comes around, I'm reminded that with the risen Savior, I can join the psalmist and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me. They stumbled. Can I tell you that the Lord knocked the hell out of them? Can I tell you that the Lord knocked the hell out of them? They stumbled. The Lord knocked them down. Because he lives. I know that all things. Romans 8.28 Because he lives, I know that all things, not something, but all things work together for good for those who love God. I know, I know, I know that no weapon, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that if God be for me, y'all ain't helping me. If God be for you, who in this world can be against you? Finally, let me let you alone. The third blessing of Easter is life is worth the living. Just life is worth the living. Just because he lived. Can I get some help in here? What is life? What is life? It's defined like the pessimistic philosopher who said that life is an unpleasant interlude of nothingness or is it best described in the words of the hippies who said that life is what you do while you're waiting to die. What is life? What is life all about? Well, I stopped by here this morning to tell you that life is a gift from God and it is to be lived by the rules of the one who gave it. Life is certain. A certain amount of time which God gives us down here to prepare for eternity up there. Like my brother, and sister, the sacred trust which God requires that we keep the faith. Yes, life does have meaning and it's worth the living just because he lived. 
So every time Easter rolls around, every time Easter comes, I'm reminded of all the blessings which it brings. Every time I think about an empty tomb, I'm reminded I can face tomorrow. Whatever comes, I can face tomorrow. Every time Easter comes, I'm reminded that all fear is gone. Every time Easter comes, I'm reminded that life indeed is worth living. Why? Because he lived. Because he lived. And life is worth a living just because he lived. That's not all, y'all. There's some more blessings which come with the Easter celebration. Because he lives, I have some new hope. Because he lives, I have a new talk. Because he lives, I have a new walk. Because he lives, I have a new shout. Every now and then I want to jump up and say thank you for another change journey. Because he lives, I have a new song because he lives. I got some new amazing grace. Can you help me this morning when I tell you that grace woke me up this morning, started me on my way, didn't let me sleep too late, woke me up right on time. Can I tell you the Lord is blessing me right now. And because he lives, I got some joy. Anybody here know some joy? Because he lives, I have some joy. You know what the hymnology said? This joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Because he lives, I have a new mansion in glory. Because he lives, I have a new home in paradise. Because he lives, I have a building not made with hands. Oh, let me tell you this morning. I love to tell the story. To be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I don't know about you, but I love the Lord. He heard my cry, pitted every groan, long, long, long as I live. Trouble ride, hasten to his throne. I don't know about you, but I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves me. Yes, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loved me. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him belong. I am weak, but he is strong. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know about you, but I know the Lord loves me. Yes, yes, yes. Yes! The doors of the church are open.